Welcome to another Sonic Talk. This is Sonic Talk number 343, our pre-Christmas episode, which is why I'm wearing my Santa's little hat. Uh, I had to get the uh, dongle on the right side so that uh, I can bring the chat room in. Welcome, everybody. There's the chat room. Uh, SonicState.com forward slash live, 4pm UK time. Though not for a couple of weeks, though, because, uh, as we know, Christmas Day is on a Wednesday, which means New Year's Day is on a Wednesday, which means there's no chance at all that there's going to be a show during that time. So we're having a two-weeks hiatus um, but fortunately, I have a fulsome panel with all our technology seems to be holding up, but I'll probably go in and, uh, and moan about that later in the show. I'll try not to, though. But I do have also got me a little bit, little bit set up, made a little synth there. So anyway, let's come to my guests. And we'll start uh, with number one, who is Dave Spears of G4 Software, makers of fine software music instruments and collectors, hoarders, nay... I think they're stockpilers, even, of analogue synthesizers. And I think if you look closely in the background, you might just be able to see the uh, CS80, that we, uh, the fabled CS80 there in the background. Look it's at, on! Look at it's that. On. And the lights are on. We heard it last week. Ow! Ah, awesome. And it played... Oh, no, his bandwidth's gone. There, he's back now. There, go. there was some sort of ah, some sort it's of got Sky- good taste, my bandwidth. Thanks. Yeah, there was some sort of Skype Christmas filter going on there. That <laughs> Microsoft have obviously uh, decided that maybe they're being scroogey this Christmas. So any music, uh, Christmas music we play, is likely to be uh, broken up by Skype bandwidth. Uh, I am obviously speculating wildly. Let's go to number two, Mark Tinley, who is sat there um, with a guitar next to him and also a Christmassy yeah. sort of hat. How are you, Mark? I'm all very well. Am I all? What does that all mean? of you, all of you is very well, all or all, uh, all of us, all of it. I'm glad, I'm glad Never. to have you. It's all good, yeah. So, I've just been charging around trying to do a whole load of things in time to make it for this. So, ah, well, uh, I appreciate that. That's very I'm con- a bit, uh, confused about who I am and where I'm meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, we uh, we just went to we went to London for the weekend. Well, we went up on Sunday, drove up uh, Sunday morning, and uh, parked in the car park underneath uh, Hyde Park, and then went to Covent Garden, where we managed to get a family room. Get this on Drury Lane, Covent Garden, travel lodge, admittedly, uh, forty quid. Wow! So we, uh, wow, we went. That's really we, we went shopping. I went to I went to London at the weekend as well. I went to do a, a I went to a thing called Ort Fest. Oh yes. Uh, and I went and spoke about autism and self-expression and how to modulate your voice and all the different voices you can make. Uh, I don't know how well it went down. <laughs> um, were, you, were you wearing the hat? I wasn't wearing this hat, uh, no. Well, but I, it cost it. me. It, it cost me half as much to get from. I went to the studio afterwards to make some three hundred three loops because my friend Mike has um, got a TT three hundred three, so we've started making a loop library. Uh-huh. Um, but it cost me £20 to get from Camden, where the studio is, to West Hampstead, which takes about 10 minutes, uh, which was nearly as much as my train fare. So I, I, I don't begrudge moving out of London, actually. No, it's, it's an expense. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, I don't think I've ever been quite... We all fell asleep at half past nine on Sunday night because we were so tired. Then we went to see the uh, Nutcracker uh, English National uh, Ballet at uh, the Coliseum, which was fabulous. But anyway, so, oh, you went by car, didn't you? I was going to say, when did you come back? We were probably uh, on yeah, the, same I, uh, the show finished at quarter to five on Monday afternoon. So I drove from <laughs> Park Lane through Knightsbridge out to the A4 at rush hour. And yes, it does take a long time. Anyway, uh, yeah. let's say hello to who we got next. Mr. Gaz Williams over there in um, Christmas Land. How are you, Gaz? Ah, uh, I'm very good. And I've got something prepared. Wow, uh, awesome. Can I can I do it now? Because it's there's reason to do it. All right. First. Well, okay. Let's do it now then. Let's do it now. Well, I tell you what. Come back to me, and then I'll introduce wait, Robbie. Maybe then we can. Then yeah, we yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And but anyway, Gaz Williams, Gaz Williams. Dot me. Uh, professional bass player, music technologist, and purveyor of wild hair, <laughs> <laughs> and man with a bay window. 
all of these yes. things are uh, important uh, characteristics for any guest on uh, Sonic Talk. So I want to say thank you to, for, 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 uh, for Gaz for joining us and being with us all year. And finally, a relatively new newcomer to, to the talk, but not to Sonic State itself. We've uh, seen him before uh, from Robot Studios. Uh, he houses a beautiful collection of uh, multicoloured lights and a sort of geyser-type <laughs> Christmas tree in a in true Farrah Fawcett kind of style. And an OP1. Look at him go. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Robbie, of course, um, producer, studio owner, composer, does that stuff for films. Also, uh, just back off tour with uh, Howard Jones, who he's, uh, he's his main, main studio guy. So, um, nice to have you, Robbie. How have you been? I've been very good, thanks. Yeah, just trying to get all my little jobs done before Christmas so I can have a nice Christmas without thinking about work. And how are those things going? Going very well. I've got one more, one more thing to do and I'm done. Excellent. I can see something in uh, the Skype preview window from Gaz that looks tremendously exciting, so I'm going to have to switch to him because Gaz has something prepared. So I think we should check it out. Ready? Where there he is, Mr. Gaz Williams. Ah. So I don't have... uh, I can't hear you at the moment. The way I've got this set up. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are you hanging up your stockings on your wall? It's the time that every Santa has a ball. Is he riding a red nosed reindeer? Turn a ton up on his sleigh. Cause the fairies keep him sober for a day. Oh, yeah. So here it is. Merry Christmas, everybody. Kissing Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> Are you hanging up your stockings on your wall? Are you hoping that the snow will start to fall? Do you ride on down the hillside on a buggy you have made? When you hit your head and you realize you've been slayed. So here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Look to the future now. It's all in just begun. Last time. Here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Look. Awesome. I don't know what to say. That was awesome. Round of applause all round. Look at that. It's just is unstoppable. Gaz, that was absolutely brilliant. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something special, but I didn't think it would be quite that special. That really is astonishing. And you have a camera person as well with you. Look. He's just reorganising himself. He's got his... Uh, oh, we've lost the connection. I'll come back here. Uh, that was, of course, by Slade. I'd never uh, um, understood all the lyrics up to now, so I'm very pleased. Gaz, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Ah. Did he come out? <laughs> yeah, it was I even, I, I, even uh, <laughs> I managed to get an It's Christmas in for you because you missed one of those. But a, oh, a, cool. And uh, I was trying to do the sleigh bell keys. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, I just didn't know technically if that was going to come you up did. or not. You did. it all through the iPad. You did it all through the iPad? Yeah. Jesus. Right, so you need to tell us what was going on there, because that is, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, I'm guessing you were using the MIDI bass, right? I was, yeah. So um, let's have a look what we got here now. So, uh, MIDI bass. So uh, I was using um, like a bass sound um, and a guitar sound going through Univibe. And then on the D string was a uh, like a kind of string sound. And on the G string was a Christmas bell. I heard the Christmas bell also. And that was going up and into the TC Voice Live. Yeah. Was that doing some backing uh, vocals? Yeah. And that was off a foot switch. So I could just um, switch in the uh, harmonies every now and again. Yeah. And that was coming out of a lead and into my Apogee Jam, funnily enough, and into the iPad uh, and then into Skype. Bloody hell. <laughs> and it all worked. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know if it was going to work. Oh, and I had a projector on as well. Yeah, I saw the projector. <laughs> That was, I have to say, that was a tour de force. Now, um, I, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to compete with that in almost any aspect whatsoever. I do have some Christmassy coloured lights in the background, and I've got me, um, like I said, I've got my little bits that I can play jingle bells because it's almost just one note. So, yeah, already, I mean, just uh, for all those people who are going to start tuning out, I can understand that now. That was a very special Christmas performance there. Awesome. Thank you very much, Gaz. I don't know what to say apart from thank you, and thank you to your glamorous assistant for holding the camera there. Oh, yes, that was, uh, that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what it sounded like. So I really it sounded fine. Any... I know you just listened. It's on YouTube <laughs> already. Yeah, well, it will be on YouTube shortly. <laughs> It'll be on YouTube very shortly. So, yeah, nicely done. So um, I, I, I'm a bit I, I'm a bit lost words now. I've got to think of something to say. So I probably should go into a topic, uh, and I'm going to go into a topic which has a video. And because uh, uh, Dave, you actually well, actually it has a video, but we'll start with this. This was something that you found. This is on Synthtopia, the excellent Synthtopia. This is uh, synthesizers.com. I've got some additional modules that they can they want to put onto your uh, a, a sort of modular. No, let me see. It's like a modular. If I can make that go bigger, yes, I can. Look at that modular uh, control modules now i know dave you've got a synthesizers.com have you put your order in yet even though these aren't available not yet but i want it anything that's got a whammy bar on it that isn't the guitar has got to be cool isn't it uh well it is but i've got something here that i can play you now which actually has a whammy bar on it and i think i'm not sure i think i've seen one of these before so let me just uh yeah see, see if you recognize this this was a, a video from um crash kings we were doing a history of rock. On a clavy with a whammy bar, which is just absolutely awesome. awesome. I want to get this immediately. I want a clavinet with a whammy bar. Just, just no two ways about it, and a tattoo like that, as long as it'll wash off. go that's brilliant isn't it but that's um so there is a precedent for this now i'm not sure but did george duke have a clavinet with a whammy bar perspex one i knew he had a perspex one i didn't see a whammy bar on it i remember a whammy bar on something am i am i am i imagining that or is that um just um was it, am i thinking of somebody else jan hammer I knew he, had, he had a dukey stick yes whatever that was it's uh, something he sung about we're gonna sing to you and all that. It's a brilliant P-Funk track with the Jukey stick. Da-da-da-da-da-da and a Jukey stick. Yeah, brilliant. That was a just past Zappa days, I think it was. Um, very, very good. Um, but yeah, modules, I don't know. I get, um, Robbie, you do, you, you're playing live. You're using kind of a lot of controllers and stuff. Is there yeah. something missing from your controller setup? Because you use uh, launch pads and um, stuff, right? Um, yeah, I'm always interested in it. In fact, today I just ordered up this new little device called the Coma Commander, which is a um, it's so, an infrared controller for CV analog synths. Ah, that's that. Are you going to be take? Are you going to take some analog synths on the road then? Um, no, I just wanted to to wave my arms, flail them around in the studio a bit more. I think that every studio needs one of those. That sounds really interesting. Although, when yeah. you said, um, what was it called again? 
It's called the Coma Commander, both words with a K. It sounds a little bit like a sort of toy that one might find in an adult goods store, but yeah. I, I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. I've got something, actually. Let me just go... I've just reviewed it, Let me, and it's really good. Let me just uh, go and grab it so I'll have to disconnect. Connect back up again. There we are. And uh, I might have to switch this on. I don't know what uh, that... The Newmark. The Newmark Orbit. Now, this is yeah. kind of very much sold as a DJ kind of thing, but actually, uh, it does loads of stuff. And it's got... Um, it's got... Hold on, what's it got? It's got um, accelerometer in both axes. And then it's got clip launch... Well, not clip launch. I've got set up. I've got this set up for clip launches. So these um, send out notes, no velocity or anything. And then um, you've got four banks of 16 and then four different controls for this. And it's really sturdy. You plug it in, you've got this little dongle you plug into the computer and it just works. It just it creates its own hard for hot Wi-Fi and throws a couple of uh, a network and throws a couple of, um, well, three, in fact, mini ports into your system that you can just access wherever you want. It's a really good, really, really nifty product. Oh, look, I'm, I'm about 80 quid, isn't it? It's really cheap. Um, it, well, it's listed at 99, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you probably get it for less. Uh, I was really impressed with it. It just, just seems to work. Um, but it does raise that question, doesn't it? I mean, what, what, what control... So you need a whammy bar, Dave. Is that all you're going to get? Uh, no, I mean, there was a load of stuff, wasn't there? I just like the idea of the of the keyboard and then being able to add modules. Or if you don't want to add the modules on the left or the right of the keyboard, you can actually add them to the modular itself. And I thought, that's bloody brilliant. In fact, a whammy bar on the modular itself would be really cool. I'm using the cat stick with the modular a lot, and that's uh, pretty brilliant. Yeah. But I love the synthesizers.com stuff. They are, really are quite an amazing company. So I can't wait until uh, I know how much it is. Even though I've promised Chris I'll never buy another synth again. Technically, it doesn't count as ah, a it's synth. an accessory. It's a, I'm just yeah. a bit worried about the whammy bars. You reach in to patch something up, you could kind of, you know, spike yourself <laughs> quite unpleasantly. I don't know. Gaz, do you need any more control? In your look, you look like you've got your hands full as it is, frankly, with what you just did. I can't imagine you need any more controllers in your life to... to, to there's, there's no oh. digits or limbs. I suppose you could use something for your eyelid, perhaps. <laughs> oh, I love controllers. Um, but these are great, aren't they? These uh, modular... The whole idea of modular controllers, uh, I really, really, really like that idea because, you know, there's so many wonderful sound modules coming out now, but yet the main way that you're accessing those is fairly basic, isn't it? Just being a keyboard itself. So... I'd be quite interested to see if they launch other things as well, other keys, you know, not just keyboards, if they'll do sort of, um, like, Harkin, what's it, is it that? Continuum type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or those um, uh, hexagon-type layouts, mm. key layouts and stuff, you know. Um, Interesting thought. Cause, yeah, because yeah. when I play around with those ideas, albeit on the iPad using the, the, the screen... I just find it so inspiring. So if you could combine that with the hardware modular. Ah, well, I mean, you can with uh, take a MIDI from an iPad, but just to get like a really nice hardware control. I think it's brilliant. I really like the idea of expanding that. That, that does excite me. Uh, um, but I, I mean... You need a modular first though, Gaz. Oh, I do, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you and, uh, and, and Mark Tinley, the odd ones out. Mark, you've got a lovely look at Is that your um, um, Jerry Can guitar that you've got sorted now? It is my Jerry Can guitar, yeah. Ooh. Oh, has it got speakers? Those I have two now found a piece of music I prepared as well. It's got nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's looks, something I've been working on. That looks awesome. Has it got speakers in it? No. No, oh, that's no. just for it to resonate. The resonator. I bought those from, um, from America. They took a while to arrive. Are they so like, it's just got two holes drilled in it here and here. All right, they're like Dobro holes, yeah? Yeah, and that thing is just like a laser-cut kind of thing in the middle. And it barks. That's incredible. It barks. <laughs> when you touch it. So uh, <laughs> did you put the uh, Line 6 stuff in there then, or is it just purely guitar? No. Oh, I put a piezo bridge on it. I'm going to break the piezo up into six outputs, 
I'm going to put the outputs through a, an 8-pin mini-DIN cable. <laughs> Mark's looking worried and like the dog's up to something he needs to take care of. Know, he's meant to be looking after him, but I don't know what he's... <laughs> hey, are you looking after that dog? Good. He's after <laughs> ah, and did you find... So, have you, so are you going to are you going to put the electronics for that inside it, or are you going to connect that sort of? I've the electronics in a rack because I've uh, this that guy who used to be Black Sabbath's keyboard player, Jez Woodruff, is making a guitar for me. Right, that with guitar. another piezo bridge. So I figure if I have piezo bridges on all my guitars and I just put a hexaphonic output on the guitar, then I'll be able to hook it up to either I've got a GraphTech. Um, thing that converts it into Roland or Axis. All right. And then I plug it straight into the Line 6. So I could use any guitar to control either the MIDI stuff or the Line 6 stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't got telling whether it will work or not yet. Theoretically, it should be fine. That's a, so does that sound, is it kind of, does everything you play now sound like, um, you know, Blind Melon, what's it, from the Deep South in a kind of uh, Jack White kind of vibe? <laughs> It sounds more like um, a sitar, actually, because it rattles. Is that just the sound of it resonating, or have you got that plugged into something? I've got it plugged into a ah, speaker. All right, okay, because I think that's, that's impressive. So will you be regaling us with uh, Christmas hits on the, or, or going to do some Christmas busking? with you? Christmas hit that's got nothing to do with Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I think that's enough of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice one, Mark. Sevens, not eights. <laughs> and also, the thing is now, I can see that you've practised on the ability to actually be on hold to the helpline over Christmas while holding the phone under your... You'll be able to play <laughs> your own hold music. <laughs> that's a brilliant brilliant bit of skill yeah, there. I'm going to spray F-holes on it. I'm just in the middle of making a cardboard template so I can spray the F-holes on because I don't want to cut them to the... Oh, that's got to be a show title right there. I'm going to tag, you know, like, you know, like, um, you know, like military cans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something in white. I'm going to tag the F-holes on in white. Oh, nice. I don't think it'll any difference at all. Down. That's brilliant. And also, that guitar sound was greatly enhanced by the uh, Skype distortion pedal that we've got across everything. Cool. Then you won't have noticed how out of time I was in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't notice that at all. Crikey, I'm feeling very inadequate. I'll just have to press. There we go, look. There's a bit more synthesizer. That's the best I can do. Uh, hello. Or I can't even do that very well. Um, right, well, anyway, synthesizer.com, if you want uh, an accessory, maybe they might even be affordable, might be stocking-shaped, but perhaps not this year. I think they've still got to announce it uh, so well. Anyway, um, uh, this is another Christmassy-themed. Uh, we're sticking with the Christmas theme, and this is an absolutely brilliant animation that Dave posted uh, to me yesterday, which I put online instantly so that I could, um, I could beat Synthtopia to it. Christmas. Holidays. 
Oh, that's awesome. There are just so many brilliant rhymes in that lyric. I mean, it's just... I, I'm not sure what cheese lock is, though. That doesn't sound very yeah. nice. That was the only thing that I wasn't so sure about. Though that's by a band called Hyperbubble. Um, I've got, they've got an official website and everything. Um, and the animation was by... Uh, oh, um, I've got it here. Damn. Additional animation. No, I've... Oh, that's annoying. Um, I can't remember what her name was now. I didn't write it in my show notes. But if you look on the... the uh, um, on the site um, for our news story it's all the information is in there it's just not in my head unfortunately or on any pieces of paper in front of me what a brilliant that's got to be probably the best Christmas slash synthesizer song I could think of I don't know if there are others you know that are actually specifically synth or maybe just electro pop synthesizer uh, Christmas yeah. songs I don't know Northern Kind did one who was that? there's a band called Northern Kind uh, okay I'm going to have to get on the search yeah, they're they're a kind of um, they're yeah they're kind of like really retro sort of electro pop eighties electro pop. I know that I know them a little bit, but they did a they did one a couple of years ago. Northern kind of Christmas Island or Tears and Tinsel. Tears and Tinsel. Tears and Tinsel. I think they did two. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Tears and Tinsel. Ah, oh, that looks good. I like the sound of that. That's very as you say very retro. Good, yeah. good shout there, Robbie. I wasn't expecting somebody to come back so quickly with that. I, I can see you've done your preparation there. I'm very, very impressed. <laughs> um, Dave, you must have synth slap. I mean, obviously, it has to be an electro, synthy electro song that is specifically Christmassy. I suppose you could say that, what was that wham, that dreadful wham? Well, it's actually not a dreadful. It's, it's cheesy, but I heard it the other day, and it was... I, I must admit, I did appreciate the production much more than I did at the time of it. It's uh, that, that Lindlund break Christmas. that drives me insane, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that break on the Lindrum that just da, makes da, me go da, a little da, bit da, mental. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's just horrible. <laughs> no, don't like that. I think he wrote that when he was like 12 or something. I no, I think you're right, like actually, yeah. Because he, he, um, that's George Michael, who's allegedly... Um, there, there's rumours abounding on the moment. You know, on Twitter, you get these awful rumours of people who are dead, and, and they're not, most of the time. Um, there's a rumour about uh, him retiring, I think, as Justin Bieber is as well. I don't know if any of that's true, but maybe, maybe we'll be yes, lucky. Let's hope We're, so. Is that true? There is God. <laughs> no, I just said, let's hope so. Yeah, maybe so. I think he's... Uh, somebody, uh, it was in the chat room, actually, somebody said... Ah, oh, eggnog envelopes. Was that one? That's from Lagrange Audio uh, in the chat room. I'm just actually going to no, know. That's it. Where was that? I see if I can. Uh, no, I'm now. I'm I'm struggling with tipping it. Uh, where was it? Lagrange Audio. Uh, he's coming up with some rhyming couplets. Eggnog envelopes. I like that as a uh, as a synthy kind of. We could just go for that, yeah, just synthy-type terminology <laughs> in Christmas. Uh, Lagrange Audio, of course, um, Australian chap who's basking in the glory of uh, England losing the Ashes after they, they drove uh, our star batsman into a nervous breakdown with their terrible sledging. Oh, I'm only joking. Uh, but anyway, um, but they won, so there we go. I don't know, Gaz, have you got any, any ideas about um, electro-Christmas um, tunes? Not many of them, are there? Hmm, but you know this one now. So, uh, someone in the chat room was saying, "Is it Mark Doty who's behind it?" Really? I don't know. That's what I think I saw oh, in the chat room. What's it called? Hyperbubble. Oh, let's have a look. Mark Doty. I'm going to do a search live on the yeah. on the show. Mark Doty. <laughs> Hyperbubble. I really think. I just. I, I I must say though, I think. Um, I have to be honest. I think they missed a trick. They should have been called Hyperbauble, really, for the full oh, Christmas nice. effect there. But you know, yeah. what's lovely about that though in the animation though is all the synthesizers are so beautifully done, aren't they? Oh, They're gorgeous! All, you know, like the little the little Moog prod, uh, prodigy. Uh, it's got all of the proper little sliders on there, and it, I just really like that. I thought the attention to detail was that was just super meta, different. wasn't it? The the yeah. the Moog the, the Korg micro Korg playing a modular synthesizer. Now that's a, that's <laughs> an imagery that only the the most twisted of minds could come up with. Genius Nick stuff. Would be proud. I think he would. Yeah, I, it looked like it was claymation, didn't it, Robbie? I think. It did yeah, yeah. And that stuff is really, really hard to do. I mean, I, I have a friend um, who is an animator, and he took. I mean, he he made a film called H, uh, which was his sort of epic. Uh, it was about twenty minutes long, and I, I worked on the sound the sound score, uh, only recording it and what have you. And it was just, 
it was painstaking. It just took such a long time and so many people. He's now working on live-action movies, which is probably a lot better for his sanity because uh, you can imagine, you know, just out of art college, working in dank kind of railway arches for two years somewhere in grotty parts of London is not going to do your health any good from any point of view. Mark, um, you enjoy that song? No, Mark's not there. He's there. I'm here. Did you enjoy this? Run, DM, Run DMC did a Christmas song. Oh, uh, really? Okay, I'm going to have to look for that. It's called Christmas in Hollis. It's called Christmas but in I, what? Hollis. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, so I okay. guess it's from Messini, but it's not necessarily... Uh, oh, here we go. I think we've got it. Let me see. I can find this. It's probably going to play an ad now. Yeah, it is. Don't want that, do we? Not right now. So we'll come back to me while the ad plays. And then I'll skip the ad, and then I'll come back to it. And then uh, here we are. This is Santa's Workshop 1987. So this is the uh, Run DMC Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll fast forward it a bit. This is where it starts properly. Liberal uh, liberation of some stack samples there by the sound of things. I wonder how that works with the YouTube copyright infringement. It was December 24th on Hollis Avenue, the dark. When I see ah. the man chilling with his dog in the park. Awesome I stuff. I think we'll play the whole lot. You, I'll put that in the show notes, and you, uh, the, the listeners, and the uh, all our all our. Um, uh, uh, people can um, can look at that at their own leisure, perhaps at a quiet point uh, during their own Christmas, because as I said, this is the last show uh, until next year. Gosh, that seems so final, doesn't it? Um, all right, let's try another topic then, because um, that, one, that one was okay. Uh, <laughs> hearing protectors. Uh, should we get on to something serious? We could get on to the uh, synthesizer killing off film and music. Uh, oh, get me started on this. Yeah, let's get you started. Oh, this... Um, to go on this one. Ah, well, I thought this was came from another Synthtopia uh, thing I spotted, but this is uh, synthesized. This is an article on uh, the Guardian website, British website. Uh, uh, you know, a, a weighty tome of newspaper publishership. Uh, synthesizers are killing British fil- uh, killing film and TV music. Say British composers. Uh, British composers. Carl Davis, uh, who actually did the World at War theme. Now that's pretty, uh, but that is about thirty-five years ago. So you're guessing he might be feeling a bit bitter that he's not getting hired to do massive orchestral uh, stuff. Uh, but that's just a supposition, obviously. And a chap called Christopher Gunning, who wrote the BAFTA award-winning score for La Vie en Rose, was saying, uh, he says, a lot of television music has got to the stage where I have to turn it off. There's an enormous amount of programs where I find the program content really quite interesting, but I can't watch because I find the music so irritating. Part of it, that is, I'm afraid, the poor quality of the composition, but part is also the sheer sound of it. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on here because, I mean, on the face of it, this just seems like a bunch of old farts kind of moaning because they're not getting any work because they're no longer relevant. Now, I don't know whether that's the case or whether there's actually any truth in it. I mean, I know that, uh, Robbie, you are a currently a film and TV composer. What are your thoughts about this? Are you, are you getting a bit sick of um, that massive taiko drum on every scene cut that you get on every documentary? I mean, I spoke to a friend of mine this morning who's a really successful British composer for TV called Ty Unwin. And he's done, you know, he's, he's always three years backed up with projects. I mean, he's really successful. And he was just the same as me. There's kind of two areas here, isn't there? There's, there's a horrible area with it when there's really crap um, sort of orchestral-esque music that's made with, with libraries by people who aren't particularly gifted at doing orchestral arrangement and that is kind of a little bit cheap cheapening the orchestral sound but the whole idea that synthesizer scores can't be emotional like that guy said is just a nonsense to me because that's just sounds like somebody who just you know thinks that the orchestra is the only the only thing to use on a film score and um, to me that's just somebody who's totally out of touch because I think some of the best scores in the last 20 years have been you know based on technology yeah I would agree with you there Definitely. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think I, I've got, a, 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 um, well, just for a start, as we've got uh, John Carpenter, if I've got the yeah, yeah. Assault on Precinct 13, classic, absolute classic. I think I might be able to fast it forward a little bit. 
but he he very famously did all this stuff because he didn't want to pay anyone because <laughs> he was he didn't want to pay any composers because he thought they were all a waste of money. Ah, remember the dulcet tones of this? Very Vangelis-like, actually. I wonder if he'd been. Uh... I, I could play that for ages. That's just such an atmosphere. And I remember it because uh, I went to see the picture. But yeah, there's a, I think there's an element of what you say, they're being sort of out of touch. Um, but I think also um, there is, you know, there was a great comment actually by a chap called Another Fine Day in the, uh, in, in the comments of this. And he said, I am actually, let's see if I can scroll down and find it. Yeah, here we go. It says, as one of those people who just makes a living from this, we don't usually get any choice about what kind of music's produced. We're simply conduits for the musical preferences of the director, editor, commissioning editor, etc. All of whom have their own and often contradictory ideas of what the music should sound like. So we throw a whole lot of mud at the wall on receiving the brief and they pick out the bits which they think stick. If that means Wagnerian levels of emotion when going going on when the pan overflows in a cookery programme, then that's what we have to produce. And yes, it's absurd, but we don't get the choice they do. And I think that is actually a very finely put uh, point as well, because presumably, I mean, do you find that, um, Robbie, that you, you get asked to do what you think is totally inappropriate, but that's what the director wants? I think, I think, I think the, the, the problem now is that, um, and I, I came into this relatively late, but every director now works, because it's so accessible, with temp music for so long when they're like, you know, editing the films or the TV shows. And, and quite often they've got this kind of mindset of what they want, whereas in the past probably they would have given more leeway to the composer. So quite often you're fighting this kind of battle where anything you do which is deviates at all from what they've already been listening to for the last six months, they find very hard to, to, to kind of accept. So, um, you know, that is a frustrating phenomenon, I think, for a lot of composers now. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's part of the, part of the issue of the, because they're editing it for so long, they can just get totally ingrained in it. I know, Dave. What do you think? Do you think there's any truth to this, uh, this thesis? Uh, I'm glad I read it because it suddenly made me realise that nothing of any good at all has come out of synthesizers. <laughs> and that's a complete lie. You must be so um, disappointed. No, everything, Dave. everything that Robbie said, really. For me, it's the combination of synth stuff and orchestras that make me go, ah. Exactly. You've got, you know, you can get the power of an orchestra, but when you've got these kind of abstract sounds, and everything I've done for film stuff has been... In fact, most everything I've done, I'd say, has been come up with a sound that confuses the listener as to whether it's synthetic or organic, because then they'll blend it within an orchestra and then a kind of synthetic part. So for me, yeah, it's all complete bunkum. I don't yeah. understand this idea of like, it has to be that or that. Why can't you take the best of both and put it together and use tools as tools? Well, I think you're right. I mean, it does sound like maybe it's a bit of a slow news week and these people might have even pitched the idea of it just so that they might get some work to me. But I mean, that's me being very cynical about it. I don't know. What do you think, Gaz? They're reclining on your big orange sofa. Um, well, I suppose if you are a classical conductor and composer and you're hearing a lot of people mocking, you know, making a, you know, using orchestral samples incorrectly and doing it in a way that's probably a bit just like just slapping it all on in a, in quite a gross way, you know, compared to the finesse that, that they would be used to, they're going to hear it. And they're going to be much more sensitive to it, and I and, and I'm assuming that that is the the core of the complaints, really. That you know, that what to the layman sounds like an orchestra, to the expert sounds like a forgery, or you know, sounds fake. Um, and yeah, that's going to get on your nerves, isn't it? So I think I've, you know, I think that that is a big part of it. To be to be honest. Mm. Um, there's no argument that synthesizers can't uh, can't. They, of course, synthesizers can convey emotional music. That's that, there's no argument there. That's. But I, I don't think that's what it's about. I'm pretty sure it's it's about just badly done orchestral samples. Yeah, I think really. you're probably that, right. I think that's you're right. my feeling from it all. I'm not, people you... who've got no sensibility, people who don't understand the sensibility of how the relative instruments within an orchestra play. When they try and emulate them, they used to fall flat on their face. But is that a bad thing? Because I was th thinking about this. Well, I want to hear what Mark says first, but then I've got a point um, I'd like to bring up myself. 
Um, Mark, do, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you, you presumably, have you got any kind of orchestral libraries that you, you, you use? Would you feel uncomfortable if you didn't know completely how the instrument should be voiced by using it? I mean, it seems... Um, the only reason I know why the instruments should be voiced a certain way... Or is that, am I all distorted? No, no. Oh, OK. OK, I've just got a weird echo. The only reason I know why the instruments should be voiced a certain way is because I've got... Um, Miroslav Philharmonic and they gave me this lovely little poster that I've stuck on the wall oh I did stick on the wall I don't have it on the wall at the moment which showed the range of each of the instruments so I didn't know that a double bass only went so far up the keyboard or that a viola then took over and overlapped a certain amount and the violin the same and how many violins you should have in a section or any of that stuff I don't know any of that stuff at all but I still use um, orchestral sounds making electronic music but I'm not really trying to emulate the sound of an orchestra I just find sounds that I like and I use them and um, sort of from Penderiki strings onwards on was it the emulator or something and all those orchestral stabs those sounds of orchestras used in an electronic way have fascinated me but hmm. I mean I suppose if you are an orchestral composer and you're looking at that kind of music and going, he hasn't made this sound like an orchestra at all, but maybe it wasn't the composer's intention. Maybe so, yeah. The buffoon, he's using a treble clef. Um, I no, think, exactly. actually, I think that there's... I'm that buffoon. Yeah, I, but I think, actually, you know, if you think about it, in some ways, you know, the, obviously, the, 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 if you get a good orchestral sample, you know, it might go a bit further. And then, you know, somebody who perhaps doesn't know about this stuff might play something in a certain way that creates a very interesting and usable effect. And then perhaps, you know, that gets scored and then reintroduced back into the orchestra. So it gets them to play, or, or thing, play, to play things in a way that they're not used to. And so that creates, yeah, you know, it creates some, I mean, I'm, the, I'm guessing this might not be fully... Um, uh, look, yeah, I mean, look at, look at Hans support, Zimmer. I want to support your argument. Sorry. So I was going to say, look at people like Hans Zimmer who double track orchestras and make these ridiculously massive sections that's not traditional orchestra yeah you know, and it, it's pushing it's, the, it's pushing the that, use of the instrument that's what i mean i mean you know there's got to be it's got to work another way if you've got set the hands if, if these sounds are in the hand and then then it gets reintroduced you know say they just do the rough track on, in these plugins or whatever and then it comes to be scored and played by an orchestra and they're being asked to do things that oh you can't do it like that i mean surely isn't that what bloody tchaikovsky and all these and bulos and all these people did at the time they made orchestras do things they weren't supposed to do i mean isn't there's nothing wrong with that surely no, definitely not. I mean, I, you just make me think of my brother Adam when we got, we both got QY20s from, no, QY10s from Yamaha, I think. <laughs> and I got this QY10 and I thought, this thing is absolute crap. I'm not, I just can't, sorry Yamaha, but it was a bit basic at the time when I was comparing it to, you know, any of the sequencing stuff I was using. So I kind of put mine in a drawer and didn't think about it again. Adam plugged his in and played it like six octaves outside its range and made these weird electronic kind of noises. And I was like, wow, what's that? Which synth are you making those with? He's like, oh, that QI uh, QI10 thing. And I'm like, really? How are you doing that? I mean, he just kind of experimented with it. So I think music is about experimentation. We all hear sound out in the world. And then when we try and create sound that sounds like sound out in the world that's not necessarily the same as finding out where the sound can go you know in mm. and of itself like a qy10 does do something really extraordinary when you play it several octaves too high so i think you, you apply the same philosophy to everything else so to apply rules to an orchestra and say it can only be this way it's like it's just I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm wondering whether these chaps have done themselves... They may well be very skillful orchestrators and what have you. They've done themselves a bit of disservice by, you know, by having us at least talk about it in a way that makes them seem like sort of fuddy-duddies and unlikely to, to do anything unusual. But, I mean, that, that may not be the case, obviously, but it doesn't do their but argument. That, I that. mean, that video we had of Van Gelis last week, just... Yeah. I mean, you know, he sat there and he played like... It was just like, whoa! I don't know if that's him trying to pretend to be an orchestra, and in some ways it probably is, but in some ways it's also a really expressive use of synthesis. So yeah, I think Dave's right, really. He hit the nail on the head when he said, take the best of both worlds and put it together and create something like absolutely awesome. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe uh, you could have this. With, uh, I don't know, like um, a full cello section or <laughs> something like that. 
Imagine well, that works. the score that for work. yeah, it would score for little bits and um, an orchestra. Yeah. Although I think what drives me a bit nuts though sometimes is where you hear where you hear people using the string sample and it's block chords. So they'll play I don't know C major and it'll be C uh, E and G, and the and the root note will be C all the time. And you just think, oh, oh for God's sake, you know, yeah, yeah. shift that root note up to the E, leave the E out on the top, a little bit of movement. And sometimes that dri- that does drive me a bit insane. Well, guilty, my lad. Um, I mean, that's just because I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, that's the, I guess that's one of the things, though, isn't it? You just move around until you find some. I mean, I'm, I used to do a lot of string arrangements from the Akai or whatever it was, like the solo violin. I think there was another one, and a Arcato, 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 I can't remember what it was. And I used to love it. But, yeah, it's all, it is all about the voicings. But that's not something, unless you learn or you've got time to kind of get it together, then, you know, you're not going to know how to do that. And very often in these scenarios, especially in the sort of cheaper budget things where you have got the on every bloody scene cut, every time someone sort of steps off a boat or whatever, you know, that's what, they, they, they only get like 20 minutes to actually write and pitch something because there's just no time, you know, so that's the thing so that annoys me. I mean, maybe, it, maybe if, you know, synthesizers aren't the cause of this, maybe the cause of this is directors and uh, musicians who don't have very much experience who have access to a range of sounds but it's not the actual synthesizer itself that is at fault is it no exactly and you've got, i think you've got to be as well um when you're working with film people where you've got to be honest because like uh, we we myself and another guy called andy hunter who i do scoring with we're just about to do a um uh, a dinosaur uh, live animation film next year we're just talking to them about it. And, you know, we had to be very clear with them up front because they started giving us examples about things they might possibly want. And we said, look, we are not orchestral arrangers. We're, we're musicians and producers who come from, you know, very varied backgrounds. And we want to introduce some elements of orchestral stuff into it. But we're not going to produce a Hans Zimmer score because that's not what we do. And um, it would be wrong for us to kind of pretend that we can do that without a full orchestra and, and all the experience needed for that. So, you know, I think it's you have to be you have to be really sure about what you want to do and how you're going to achieve it. Otherwise then you do end up in that horrible sort of mock orchestra territory. Uh, orchestra, if you like. I think orchestra, I'll put, yeah. I think yeah. I'll put that as a title as well. So we've got spray F holes on it as a contender and orchestra. Yes. Excellent. Right. But maybe I mean I don't think the people who are doing that orchestra stuff even have the intention of trying to sound like an orchestra. They just have a keyboard in front of them with some sounds in it. And they're not really going in the direction of scoring, are they? Well, perhaps not. You know, all you need some low strings, <laughs> kettle drums and a few cymbals. That's all. Gas. I mean I I know oh, at least two people who could sit in front of an Akai with the poorest quality samples and make it sound like an orchestra simply because they know how to arrange an orchestra so mm. yeah well that's that's no. a good point gas have you uh do do, do you, you i mean you're most you know i, I am generalizing wildly here but as we've seen you know you're a string player you play instruments i mean do you possess these kind of large libraries of uh, orchestral things and have to put them to purpose at any point i mean do you find that that's something that comes naturally uh, not really. I, 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 I dabbled a few years back, but, um, but I just realized that pe- there's so many people out there who just do that sort of thing so well. I, I just haven't really pursued that. But, you know, I was thinking about how all, you know, I know Native Instruments have been bringing out a lot of these uh, cinematic orchestral yeah. expansions recently. And a lot of it is, uh, there was one, wasn't there, that had all the kind of, Articulations. I've got yeah. I've got that. I can't remember what it's called. It's on the. It's in part of complete. You know, so what do you say? It's kind of action strings. Yes, that's right. Action strings. Yeah. You know, which is very. Imp- it's a very impressive software, and it's very you know cool that it does it. But they become. It just it just speeds up the cliche, doesn't it? It just they 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 they, they become. It's already you know. There's lots of kind of cliche stuff going on, and when they be, when there is specific software to provide that, that just accelerates the the cliche because so many people will use it, so you'll hear it x yeah. amount more times. Yeah, that's um, true. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be really interested to hear soundtracks which. Um, which are coming from a completely different place. Uh, and I'm trying to think of something recently, but generally there is a there is a standardization of the way things sound. So I wonder if producers are yeah sorry directors are just 
I think they, I think what it is is when they're making a film. There's so much effort that goes into making a film, and a director sort of goes, and presumably the producer and the studio are going. We want it to be as big as blah blah blah. You know, insert film with Zimmer soundtrack in it. Therefore, it has to have elements of a Zimmerness to the soundtrack, but we can't afford him. You know, and I think that's the danger that you get all this sort of. Well, if it's like that, then we stand more of a chance. And it's it's probably it's not really the case, is it? I mean, it, and that's the thing is it, you end up with all those cliches like in a world. You know, I mean, it's just that kind of stuff that ends up happening all the time, isn't it? Oh, there's a really good iPhone app that does all that in a world stuff. <laughs> Excellent. I, like- um, I, th- I, do, I want to add something to that as well, though. And my experience of writing music for anything that is film-related or TV-related or advert-related or anything like that is that the person that's producing or directing it usually has a song that they've already tried with the picture. And they either need to get clearance on the song or that doesn't happen. And then the brief is... Well, we used that song when we were putting the film together. Can you make something that sounds like this? And then you have to kind of either either go in the same emotive direction or the same sonic direction as that thing. And so I think that's, you know, maybe they have a favorite song that they've had an emotion about and the emotion for them says everything it needs to say about the film they're making. And then they've, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> well, it's an interesting discussion. I'm glad to have all your points of view on it because I think it, you know, it does throw up an interesting point. And I think part of the, the of that is really it's again it's down to the directors, perhaps, and the producers, because there's so much money involved with these things that there's there's a, an element of bottle about it, and you know, they they kind of everything has to be of a form and a factor and a recognisable quality. Otherwise, the backers get nervous. Basically, <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, let me see. Ah, uh, oh, yes, we've been meaning to get this for a little... We've been meaning to do this for a long time, and now, finally, here it is. This is oh, your... Oh, I'm so pleased. Your, if, this is a Christmas idea that I felt... That was, I, I've been meaning to bring it. I, I was going to do it last week, but uh, unfortunately, my, my... This is an iPhone ear case. Now, if I just... Uh, <clears throat> it's a genius, frankly. You put your iPhone in it, and it looks like a giant ear. What? But that is my favorite. That is just such a brilliant. Imagine, you know, that's just such a brilliant picture. <laughs> There's something about the ear that's so proportional to his uh, his fine chiselled features. Robbie, will you be getting one of these for Christmas? I don't know how much they are actually. Um, I, I, I've looked ever since you you put that up. I've been hoping that someone's going to give me one of those for Christmas because um, it's it's the most impractical thing ever, isn't it? I mean, I don't even. Wouldn't even fit it in your pocket. Yeah. Fit in your pocket, whatever. But, and you're probably going to get really sick of it after about a week and go sod this. But to, yeah, like you say, to be able to like whip that out a few times in public would be just just would be great. It's the one gag that you could do, you know, several times to different people. But it, yeah, just in fact, you'd end up ringing somebody constantly. Wouldn't you? Just so that they could <laughs> pick it up. What a brilliant concept! So I actually went to look for it, and I think it's sold out. I'm not surprised. There we go. Yeah, victim of own... So that guy there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was the guy in the uh, iPhone ear case. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. We got to get that guy. We will get that guy in with the ad. That'll sell. Dave, I, I... he takes it away. Is he is really that size? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you want a fake ear to go on your ear as well, don't you? <laughs> That's there's definitely. <laughs> so, um, favourite novelty iPhone case, Gaz? Have you got one? No. That apart from that one, I've thrown you a little bit. I've thrown you a little bit there. That was a little bit. Uh, I like the wooden ones, the ones that are made of wood. They they were kind of mm. quite like that. But uh, this one still makes me chuckle. There it is again. <laughs> Just for those of you. Um, Anybody else got any interesting? Have you got any interesting iPhone cases, uh, Mark? Oh, I went through a spate of doing that. I had a, like cassettes yeah, and all cassette. sorts of different things like that. Um, Adam's girlfriend Victoria had a knuckle duster thing that was Ooh. really cool, actually. Big chrome knuckle duster. I rather like. If I had one of those ears, though, I'd want it to be for Glastonbury. It needs to be like a pointy ear, like a big pixie ear. That I can Maybe. And then I could wear one of those false ears on the other side, you know, the ear tops. Oh, that's true. I, I, went, I, to, I went to see the, uh, the, the Desolation of Smaug on Saturday night, and I, I can totally, totally dig the uh, elf ear tops. My ears are actually quite big enough as it is, and I don't have an iPhone. So I'm kind of, uh, I guess, my, I'm not sure if my ear's, my ear's not going to 
It don't, no, I think my phone isn't big enough to... Uh, my ear's not quite big enough to uh, uh, overshadow my own ear, but uh, there you go. I've decided <laughs> I hate phone covers anyway now. Really? You're going oh natural? Going commando? Oh, yeah. Because they get stuck in your pocket and you get all sorts of crap built up inside them. And I just think you're going to get a new phone in a couple of years or whatever. Just let it get, get bashed up and that be done with it. Well, I suppose the only thing is really so that you don't smash the screen. Uh, and I, I'm oh. very fortunate. I've dropped my phone loads of times in the last couple of weeks. Must be the senility creeping in. Um, but I found the only thing I've got um, to protect it is uh, is like a, a really rubbish phone cover. But that seems to stop it from cracking. But I, yeah, I really want a new phone. There's a I'll... definite sound. There's a definite sound I hear quite often now, which is the sound of a phone being dropped as someone's coming in, getting in, or getting out of a car. <laughs> it, it, it's a very distinctive noise. Um, not quite as distinctive as the noise that follows that, but um, <laughs> it's. I hear it so many times. It's you know, like in a multi-story car park, it's, it's a particular clatter, and uh, that's um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty horrible thing when you realise your five hundred quid phone has just taken a tumble. Oh, that's um, awful, awful. Uh, but yes, that, no, I, I'm, I'm Rob, who's one of our um, um, amped guys. He drops his phone and smashes the screen. Almost every week, it seems. You know, he gets it sent off and then it comes back and it's like, oh, your screen smashed. He said, yeah, I know, I dropped it. And it's like, man, you, you do need a, a case. You need a, you need a case like this, but with the ear on both sides and you have to unfold it like a kind of butterfly to get to the phone. And that's the only way it would work. <laughs> I, th- I don't know why Apple changed the design of the iPhone, actually, because the iPhone 3 you took the screen off to get inside it, so it was really easy to replace the screen, but impossible to replace the battery. And now, the iPhone 4 or whatever, all those following ones, you have to take the back off, and you can get the battery, but you have to take the whole thing completely apart if you want to change the screen, which is billions of little tiny screws that you can't see. Ah, I tell you what, I found a good uh, a good tip, because I've been looking, I wanted to get a, 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 a Galaxy Note 2, which is like a quite a large phone, but they're quite big. I just because I'll be able to do more stuff on it and what have you. And uh, there's loads of them on, e- on eBay with smash screens, but because the, the price of them is ridiculously high, they're still three, four hundred quid, you know, even for a Note 2, and we're up to a Note 3 now. And uh, I found a video. What what you do is you've got a hairdryer across the front, and then, oh, my camera's gone a bit weird, and then you, you slide uh, like a, a metal uh, knife down it, and it pops the glue out, and you can, you can replace it very easily, and you can buy new new phone oh, wow. glass for next to nothing. If you get a chance to see, um, again, you know, perhaps in a quiet downtime over Christmas break, um, then, you know, you can watch videos on... <laughs> watch, watch, film, watch videos on how to change broken glass on screen. Phones, no, perhaps you won't... I, Oh, my screen, my phone's gone really... That's really peculiar. I don't know what's going on there, but I've gone all sort of... Uh, my scan's gone. I've gone all purple. Never mind. Very You've gone two-thirds over here. Uh, yeah, very I've strange. two-thirds. Two-thirds and purple. I wonder if I going switch it on and switch... Pops, you're going to go into all coloured lines in a minute. It yeah. suits you, Nick. You know what's going to happen next? This, this, is, this is what my graphics card started to look like before it went, and now they've I've got... Honestly, I, this week I've had so many things go wrong... Oh, it's just driving me mad. Um, I don't have all that much more um, to offer. It's the planet, it's the comet Ison that's causing all this. You know that, don't you? No, I didn't. Is that right? <laughs> Apparently Is so. it the one that's, is it some sort of giant, is it deflecting uh, solar rays and we're all getting bombarded with weird electrons or something? I don't know. I don't know what it's doing. It's a, it's a, the biggest comet to come within, um, distance of the sun for so many years or something and it passed behind the sun and they say it blew up ah, oh that's right they... other people are saying no no it's still going and you can still feel the effects of it and it's magnetic all means this and that means that yeah. and blah blah <laughs> yeah it's these, it's these metal earbuds I'm being sort of dragged off to the side um... <laughs> yeah but as you go off one side you're, come back in, you're coming back oh, yeah, on yeah. the other screen I, no, no go the one. other way Oh, there's Whoa, two of you. It's like 70s video effects. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh. Top of the pops. Oh, oh, no, no. 
Excellent. Um, well, I mean, this might be a good time to stop, uh, really, yeah. because uh, if we're just talking about the look of my camera, we've probably run out of uh, anything else useful to say. But I do want to say uh, to all of our listeners and everybody, uh, all of you in the chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, joining us uh, repeatedly. And uh, congratulations again to our uh, Antipodean um, listeners. Uh, I won't say any more, just because of the cricket. But um, a happy Christmas or whatever it is you celebrate or maybe just a holiday. But we're going to be out of here for a couple of weeks. So we're not going to be back until I guess it's going to be first uh, the 8th. Is that the 8th? No, sir, New Year's Day first. Yeah, the 8th of January. Wow, that seems like such a long time ago. Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. Uh, and Elvis's. Does that? He's dead. Oh, really? Elvis's birthday. Well, there's a theme for us. Does that mean you're not going to be able to hear? be here because you're going to be... No, doing Elvis impersonations. She lives about two million miles away and she'll be at university that day anyway, I should imagine. Ah, okay. But thank you, everybody. Uh, Dave, uh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, I was going to try and get you to play that uh, Paul McCartney uh, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time because uh, you've got a CS80. That was my plan because this week's... I'll tell you what I could do if you want. Oh, what could you do? I could play you a carol. I'll play, I'll play you out to a carol on oh, the right. CS. That sounds good. That, on, I'll have to set it up. All right, that's fine. But let's go. Okay, so we're going to say goodbye to everybody. Robbie, I want to say thank you very much for joining us. And um, hope and, uh, all the best to you and yours. And have a good break. Are you going to have actually some time off? I am, yeah. I'm having time off till the 2nd of January. So Ooh. it's going to be Ooh. an entire week. An entire week, luxury. Wonderful. Ah, yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it so much. <laughs> and uh, Gaz Williams there. It looks like you're having time off already. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> nice and chilled. Um, yeah, uh, finally, my uh, surf band's album, The Rumbelows, uh, the album's called Pop... Uh, no, it's called Snake Oil, and that's going to be out, I think, the day after tomorrow, finally. Oh. So please, The Rumbelows, that's rumble-o. Apostrophe S. <laughs> brilliant. And I can concur. Great band. I've seen them play. Uh, brilliant guitarist and bass player, funnily enough, and keyboard player <laughs> and drummer. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll go there to Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Oh, I, was, I forgot to mute the. Um... I, no, I don't know what. I, I was just coming to you anyway. So thank you very much for joining us, Mark. And uh, happy Christmas to all, all you and yours and the puppy and everything. Oh. Yeah, well, Merry Christmas to all the panelists and. People like Asio Head and Red Walks and John Van Eaton. And ah, yes, of course, the Right Honourable Beermeister. I think. Oh, I right, don't know if I that's. I can't think of any other names off the top of my head, but. And um, Mechanic and Lim and Omnipol Yeah, lots of people in the chat room. Thank you. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. Nice bit of happy name. Happy Christmas, check. everybody. I forgot to say that. <laughs> yeah, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And uh, happy ho, Christmas. Ho, ho. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Ho, ho, buddy, ho. Ho, ho. Bro. Okay. So imagine. Van Gellis is sat at home with his CSAD and he's getting in a slightly melancholic Christmas spirit. Okay. All right, I have to take my headphones off because otherwise I can't hear anything that's going on in this room. All right, happy Christmas. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Sonic Talk, that was Sonic Talk, uh, two, 343. Happy Christmas and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Now, Should I play you out with a really bad song? Oh, go on, Dave, yeah. Do it. Or even a good okay, bad hang song. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got to get this right. OK. I think the jingle bells. Ah, yeah. I, I, I did have some somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? Jingle bells.
wonderful Christmas time. We're going to do a rap, aren't we? Because there's some weird delay. Nice one, Dave. They sound like some really difficult chords. Yeah, that was worth every penny, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to turn yeah. the stream off now. Um, that was a special little something for the live stream watchers. So, um, it's like the end of those superhero movies when you just get that extra little special little thing, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't recording that on the video, unfortunately, because oh. uh, I, I, had to, I, I stopped the show. But uh, I, I might leave it in for the audio version. I've got it on there. So thanks, everybody. Oh.